This is the Champion Forum Podcast with Jeff Hancher, the forum for leaders, champions, and dreamers. Hello, everyone. It's your number one fan, Jeff Hancher. Welcome back to another episode of the Champion Forum. I have in studio with me an executive leader with more than 20 years of leadership experience and an impressive track record of developing people and executing business strategies. He's performance-driven, he's a competitor, a creative thinker, a strategist, and someone that I call friend. Dan Billy, welcome back to the Champion Thanks, Forum. Thanks, Jeff. Look forward to it. Well, there have been numerous occasions that Dan and I have spoken about leading through the dynamic of different personalities. I would say uh, out of 100% of our conversations, it comes up more than 80% of the time mm -hmm. because in leadership, uh, we're, we're dealing with people. This can be a pitfall for many leaders that, if not understood, can and most likely will keep you from your leadership potential. Yeah. Dan and I are going to be navigating this subject in a three-part series that we're calling The Personality Paradox of Leadership. Series one, which we will be covering today, will be understanding personality. Series two will be the business of personality. Series three, we will be covering fine-tuning your leadership through a personality assessment. You know, there's many different types of personality, and in my experience, personality and really diving into that, it's going to affect how people think. It affects how people feel, how they act in every situation, especially in the workplace. So does personality type determine your effectiveness as a leader? Is there one best personality type that makes a good leader? It takes all kinds of people that make up the world. You're going to gather a variety of personalities as you staff a team. So although it might be very tempting to try to make all your staff fit into a mold, a personality mold, uh, effective leadership respects way more uh, differences. You can't fit everybody into a mold. You have to look for positive strengths in every member of your team. You're going to need to deal with different personalities as a leader to strengthen your team. So we're going to dive into series one, understanding personality. Dan, you are clearly no stranger to dealing with the many personalities that make up teams that you've led. Mm -hmm. So what would you say are the distinct personality traits of different types of people that you've experienced and that you've led over the years? Yeah, sure. A, a great opening question for, uh, for your listeners, and this is a big one. I get this often, whether I'm, I'm talking to those uh, about uh, uh, leading teams, leading companies, uh, even even families and, and, and parents uh, try, trying to manage and lead children. Um, wh whether you talk about, you know, Myers-Briggs, many people have heard the uh, MBTI um, um, indicator disc assessment. I've taken that many times. I know many listening may have. Yeah. Uh, or Personality Plus. And I, I love uh, the Personality Plus uh, four-quadrant system. They're all similar. You know, when, it, when you break it down, it doesn't matter whether there's 16 different uniques uh, when you're looking at this DISC assessment or, or uh, others do it in 12s. They really surround four different true personality traits. And most people have a dominant and a secondary, uh, a secondary uh, personality. I want to review with the team exactly what those are, and you're going to raise your hand and say, that's me uh, in one of these. It's a guarantee. You know, there are active personality types, Jeff. Really, there's the, and, and you break it down from an active personality to an outgoing person, 
one who is what you would might think is life of the party. They're very outgoing. They're great in front of a lot of people. Then you have an active direct personality, almost a domineering or a powerful personality. And you know those type of people. They are headstrong. Uh, he, you know, Jeff and I unfortunately fit that bill. Um, <laughs> it's our cross the yeah, bear. Yeah, yeah, it is. Right, and it's, it's, it's our wives cross the bear too. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but um, but besides that, you have the passive personality types, and and on on one side, and we'll talk about relational and task. You have more or less the one on one relational personality type. Uh, they're they're they acquiesce. They want to be. Uh, they they want everyone to get along. They're the glue that binds disparate personality types. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, they're the ones that try to pull people together. But they they're great relational builders, one on one or in small groups. So when you look at when you look at the relational side of both active and passive, you have an outgoing relational personality, but you also have a a one on one or a small group setting relational uh, personality. On the on the uh, um, other side of passive is the perfectionist. It's that person that is quiet most of the time. They enjoy tasks that have a yes and no. They're black and white, you know. And oftentimes you'll see uh, that ultimate perfectionist. Uh, if if they are um, if they're a dominant perfectionist, they get into a different type of employment or careers like uh, high science, engineering, high mathematics. Accounting. Why? accounting. Yeah. Why? Because there is a right and a wrong. And that's what they look to. They don't like the gray. If there's not stress, they start creating that's it. That's exactly right. right. And and so you have, and again, if, if, if all of you listening would, would, would uh, play this in your mind, you have these four quadrants. You have an active quadrant that is outgoing or domineering, and then you have a passive uh, two quadrants that's one-on-one or that's a perfectionist. The Direct and the perfectionist are task-oriented people. On the other side, the outgoing and the one-on-ones are relational. So me, for example, and I'll give, give the example, I'm a direct perfectionist. So I'm very task-oriented. I'm task-minded. Uh, my leadership is very much aligned with those, with, with, with those things. Uh, I, I'm not as relational as others. I have to focus on that because I know that's a weakness of mine. I can overlook people getting things done. Right. Uh, it, it it is it's difficult for me sometimes to do that. So so it, when you when you look at Myers Briggs, when you look at DISC, when you look at Personality Plus, the many others, there's there's literally tens of them. Um, understand that really it breaks it down into those four groups: active, passive, relational, or task oriented. Once you understand your personality trait, both your dominant and your secondary, you begin to understand why you relate the way you do personally to, to, to family members, to friends, why you do the things you do when you are at work, and why under stress, in a stressful envir- environment, whether it be professional or personal, why you can, what I would call, operate in your weakness. Right, right. Why those things that, that you, you, you try to filter when you're not stressed bubble to the oh, top. Yeah. And everyone is unique. And that's what's exciting about this, this discussion, because everybody is unique. And it's mm-hmm. a genetic code. Yeah. It's a God-given personality. It's really hard to change. And right. if you do, you go through a lot of Embrace stress it. trying it. Yep, exactly right. So, you know, we're going to be talking a lot over the next three episodes about personalities and breaking down those dynamics. And, you know, something in a lot of articles that I've read, even a lot of business books that I've read, is this dynamic between relaxed personality yep and professional personality. So they're two, they could be two varying things. How would you define the difference between the two, the relaxed and the professional personalities? Sure. 
You know, on, on, on the relaxed side of the personality spectrum, I, I often say when, when I'm giving assessments to others or I'm, I'm, I'm taking them along with others is ask yourself the question at home and then fill in the blank. Because oftentimes when personality assessments are taken, pe- people will go, well, I'm that person at work because they deal with experiences, right? You have to understand that, that in the personal environment where you are just at ease and you are with the people that know you best, completely transparent, that's when you want to really assess your, your personal, uh, what I would call that embedded DNA, right? That genetic stamp that says, this is who I am when I'm at home and I'm in that relaxed state and only use in your mind as you're, as you're potentially taking an assessment like this, uh, experiences when you were in that relaxed state, don't allow the creep of professionalism Mm -hmm. to get into that. Conversely, you need to take a second assessment because we'll get into some of this dialogue about why it's so important. That second assessment needs to be only at work when I'm working this is who I am. So every experience you, you, you think about when you're taking the professional assessment needs to be just that. You don't cross back over to your relaxed uh, state. Always think about what you're doing when you were in front of others that you're not as transparent with. That's great advice. Because those two assessments are oftentimes very different. And that's when oh, yeah. stress, strife, uh, a lot of problems occur both personally and professionally. That's that's great insight, and it brings me back to a specific time in my career, and it was the first time I ever took an, an, a personality mm-hmm. assessment. And I remember like all the talk around this assessment and how uh, a great percentage of the executives were this. I found myself in taking that test thinking, how can I answer these questions to be that? Exactly right. So your point about taking two tests – in a relaxed state, that's really who you are. That's exactly right. Um, and I find oftentimes, and I know we'll probably dive into this a little bit deeper, about uh, too much of any one thing isn't always a good thing. That's exactly right. Uh, so I think that's great advice on the relaxed and the professional personality types because sometimes there's a little bit of a facade and a little bit of smoke and mirrors yeah. that we put on in the workplace that we've got to be very, very cautious of. Now, I've observed uh, people struggle with, you know, differentiating personality, personal and professional personalities. Um, and it can become very damaging to careers. I've yeah. seen it firsthand on many, many cases. What would you say to our audience are the biggest watchouts yeah. regarding these sometimes battling personalities, meaning this is who I am Saturday and Sunday, exactly. but this is who I'm trying to be Monday through Friday. Exactly right. What's your thoughts? Uh, g- give the group an example, and it's pretty self-deprecating here. The um, uh, I was... Uh, honored to work under Ken Blanchard in situational leadership training. And um, I got a lot of good training when I was a young leader. And he separated, the team separated us into corners of an office. And uh, it, what was interesting was many, many of the managers, the leaders, the managers in this in this company were in one quadrant. And you can imagine which one it was. It was the dominant quadrant, our owner had that mindset. He hired people mm-hmm. of like mind, oh, yeah. not understanding or appreciating during the hiring process that indeed this wasn't a good thing. Um, but uh, we had to fill out these assessments and these questionnaires, and, and, and this room was filled with 30-plus people. And um, the person said, listen, I, I have a piece of paper here, and I want to know who Dan Billy is. And I'm going, oh, no, what did I do? <laughs> and I sheepishly raised my hand 
And he looks at me and says, you are the most stressed person in this room. And I wondered at the time why he said that. And I couldn't, couldn't figure it out. And he said, listen, you, you, you've taken two assessments. You've taken a personal one and you've taken a professional one. And I'm just going to give you some feedback that you need to work on because it's going to help you in your career. And today I'm talking about it, Jeff, right, right? Right, He said, you need to learn your personal strengths and not try to mask doing that professionally. He goes, you, are, you have a mask. He says, you have something on. You're showing something that is not you professionally, and you're struggling. It's stressful to you because you can't be who you are. And that was the beginning of my learning curve in understanding that leadership is not about being someone you're not. Leadership is about embracing your strengths and then surrounding yourself with people that have uh, strengths when where you have weakness. And uh, it was interesting at that time, you know, hearing that, absorbing that and realizing that, you know, I can be in this leadership position and I don't have to force this personality. I can be who I am and operate in my in my strengths and actually be a better leader than the guy that was stressed beyond belief. So for those of you listening, if you really feel stressed after work, if you're on the ride home and you're listening to this podcast and, and you're struggling uh, there's a good chance you're masking your everyday personality. And I'm here to tell you that there is no one personality. We'll talk about this. There's no one personality that makes you a great leader. And uh, there's been some empirical studies on this, a scientific approach. We'll talk about this in a little bit that, that, that actually shows you exactly who some of the best leaders are. And that's the paradox of leadership. Right. It's not the person that is the team captain, that's the prom king or queen, right. that's the one that's out there, you know, the, the, the person that you believe attracts all the eyeballs oftentimes isn't the person that actually is the best leader. You know, I, on that note, and I'm just thinking of a specific organization that I have in mind. You know, there was a time in thinking of this organization that uh, it was all one way. Yeah. I mean, from the top down. And so you did have these people that would come into the organization feeling like they had to fit into the mold. And here's here's why that can be so um, dangerous to yep. a company yep. is because you have these people thinking that their upward mobility, their earning potential, yep. everything is riding on following the crowd, following that path. And I would say as a uh, society, we've gotten better and more tolerant yeah. uh, to that. We have some very cutting edge and trendy corporations out there that are embracing this and promoting it, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah. And I think what that does is it brings about a different level of diversity because if you have all of the one type of a personality, uh, even from a staffing standpoint, you're going to be very hard pressed to innovate. Exactly. Uh, innovation doesn't come by doing the same things over and over and over again. And so I think that's something very important to learn. Now, what would be some advice um, that you would give somebody, maybe like you at that organization, yeah. where everybody was leading this way, acting this way, and you know, despite your best efforts, you were uh, maybe not like them, but trying to be like them? Exactly right. What does, uh, I guess, talk to two people here. Talk to the executive leaders that might be listening yeah. on how unhealthy that can be for the organization. Yep. And maybe talk about the person that was like you sitting in that room saying, how do I address this? What am I going to do? Because ultimately, it's either going to lead to burnout or turnover. That's Your exactly thoughts? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, probably easier for me to describe what one of the best in the business has has said about this very fact, the, the, the situational uh, leadership conundrum, right? You have, you have a lot of people that in leadership um, – you know, in, in leadership, try to kind of form or force fit 
a management style that they feel is effective for everyone. And oftentimes that that's not the case. And for those, again, who understand there's four quadrants to this leadership spectrum, if you will, this box, uh, if, if you practice one form of leadership with all your team, you're probably reaching only 25% of, 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 of the team. There's a good chance that, that if you have four team members, you're not going to have four that are, that are alike. They're going to be disparate in some right, way. Right. Their, their active uh, or their uh, dominant personality and their secondary are not going to be perfectly aligned with each other. So you have to know their strengths, weaknesses. You have to know the, the, the approach to take. And uh, again, transitioning to that whole discussion of what makes that, you talked about it, that level five leader. Uh, for those of you who haven't read it, it is, it is some of the best reading and leadership that you could have. For sure. Uh, and it, it, the, the, uh, the level five leadership that we talk about originated with Jim Collins' book, Good to Great. And that book is the Bible when it comes to empirically tested leadership and, and what made the best companies over time. It wasn't a outlandish, in-your-face leader approach. Uh, it was almost impossible to sustain from one leader to the next. Companies go through transi- transition year, uh, years over, you know, year over year, um, decades over decades. How did the best companies, uh, how did they maintain that level five leadership approach? Uh, if you would, Jeff, let, let, me, let me say, let me, let me read what, what Jim said Please. about this. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. You know, he, he said in his book, the good to great executives that they looked at were all cut from the same cloth. It didn't matter whether the company was consumer or industrial in crisis or steady state, offered services or product. It didn't matter when the transition took place from leader to leader or how big the company was. All the good to great companies had level five leadership at the time of transition. Furthermore, the absence of level five leadership showed up as a consistent pattern in the comparison companies that weren't great. Given that level five leadership cuts against the grain of conventional wisdom especially the belief that we need larger-than-life saviors with big personalities to transform companies, it is important to note that Level 5 is an empirical finding, not an ideological one. You know, what he did in his book, Good to Great, was empirically test the absolute best companies based on what they uh, their, their performance, their financial performance over term, over time. But then he dug deeper to find out who led those businesses right. and what they did. And he said here, you know, he narrowed it down. He siphoned it down to 11 companies out of, I believe, 1,800. And he said, the 11 good to great CEOs are some of the most remarkable CEOs of the century, given that only 11 companies from the Fortune 500 met the exacting standards for entry into the study. Yet, um, despite the, remark- the remarkable results, almost no one ever remarked about them. Think about that. Leadership not remarking, not patting themselves on the back. The good to great leaders never wanted to become larger than life heroes. They never aspired to be put on the pedestal or become unreachable icons. They were seemingly ordinary people, passive personality people, right? That quietly produced extraordinary results. It is very important to grasp that level five leadership is not just about humility and modesty. This is an amazing sentence. It is equally about ferocious resolve and almost stoic determination to do whatever needs to be done to make your business great. And it's just, it, 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 it's such a revelation. It was to me 20 years. You're a mythbuster, Dan. It, 20 years ago, it blew my mind to realize that it wasn't the active personality right. that, that actually maintained that forward motion, that pace, that cadence of success, of, 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 um, 
uh, I hate to say perfectionism, but being better than everybody else. He ends with this. He says, my hypothesis is that there are two categories of people, those who do not have a seed of level five and those who do. I would disagree with them. I think everyone has a seed. They just have to make it grow. The second category of people, and I suspect this is a majority of the group, consists of those who have potential to evolve into level five leadership. And if you listen to Jeff's podcast, this is exactly what he's doing, is training everyone to that level five capability. He says the capability resides within them, perhaps buried or ignored, but they're nonetheless. And under the right circumstances, self-reflection, conscious personal development, a mentor, a great teacher, loving parents, a significant life experience, another level five leader, a boss, or any number of those factors helps them develop into that person they want to be, that leader they want to be. And, uh, it, it, you know, you can't say it better than Jim Collins. Right. And uh, to this day, he has uh, continued to preach that, that gospel of leadership, effective leadership and level five leadership. So uh, if you haven't read that book, you that need to get out there and read it. That is a must read. And, you know, I like, you know, Jim Collins in, in all of that that you just said. Keep in mind, this is a very scientific approach exactly. to studying leadership. Now, take heart, uh, leader. There, there's not a one size fits all. Yep. Uh, we're, we're just talking about some trends, some studies that have happened over time. Uh, but, but let it be known here on the Champion Forum podcast that to be a great leader or to be an executive or to get to the C-level doesn't mean that you have to be the loudest in the room, doesn't mean that you have to be the one beating your chest. Yep. Sometimes I think we see that kind of leadership and, and we're attracted to it maybe uh, because those kind of people get all kind of attention. Exactly right. But attention and noise doesn't always mean effectiveness. Exactly right. Uh, so be you um, and lead the way that you've been built to lead. Yep. And we'll talk in, uh, in uh, I believe it's episode two of this series, uh, about uh, knowing your strengths and being self-aware of your weaknesses, which is a great point in all of this. You know, so, you know one, one thing I want to mention, yeah. and I didn't, didn't get to before, Jeff, is that uh, of the 11 companies that were scientifically, if you will, empirically proven to be the greatest of all time, uh, nine of those CEOs, those ever-present CEOs in those 11 companies were passive personality CEOs. So for those of you who sit in those team meetings and you're the ones who choose not to say anything and you have these active personality types always speaking up, always sharing their mind – Realize that the absolute best of the best companies ever recorded were leaders who had that quiet resolve to get it done. And uh, as you said, Jeff, I mean, it takes a lot of different personalities. Unfortunately, you know, the, the data shows that the most active personalities aren't the ones that lead the greatest companies. So you just made a lot of our listeners very upset, Dan. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about that. Yeah. So, you know, we just gave some scientific evidence. Yeah. Uh, we looked at some data in what historically proven, uh, based off of a, bu- a bunch of different KPIs, right. the top 11 businesses of all time. And we just told our audience that a common thread that we have found in this research is that it's not the domineering, loud, pump your chest, pound your fist. If if there's a listener listening today that is that, is there any hope left? There absolutely is. Now, let, let me tell you this. I guarantee you back when, when the, these case studies were being done and they were looking at these, these companies' previous results, these CEOs that were outgoing and hard chargers, 
uh, uh, they didn't realize a lot of what we do today. <laughs> Bottom line is the bigger than life, and, and the one the one statement Jim Collins has made time and again is uh, leaders that are bigger than life they can't be duplicated, and that's the problem. So. Again, we were looking at companies over time that went transition from CEO to CEO that had that passive personality type, that quiet resolve to succeed. Uh, for those of you who are active, and I am one of them, so I'm speaking to myself as well. Right for those, here. for yeah. those of you who are active personality uh, people, uh, you have to just recognize and understand your your strengths and your weaknesses. And if you appreciate what your weaknesses are. Mine, again, like I said, is I've got to, I've got to pause before I say something, um, especially if it's, if it's during conflict resolution, especially if it is during a time of discipline <laughs> and one-on-one. I've got to measure my words. Um, but secondly, I, I also know that I've got to be more relatable. I've got to be that person, not, with, not being headstrong and not trying to just get the task done. I call it getting the box checked. I love checking boxes. Oh, love them. It's one of my yeah, I'm telling you what. I put my head on uh, on the pillow, and it's just like, oh, it was a good day. You know, didn't talk to anyone, but I got all this done, right? <laughs> but um, recognizing your weaknesses as a active leader, active personality leader, allows you to engage in ways that you never thought possible. And guess what? You know, some of my most rewarding and fulfilling uh, times as a leader was helping people. No question. And I'm telling you right now, it's not what I'm inclined to do, but after I do it and I see the joy or I see someone in tears because I was that shoulder. That's it. That you, is it. You walk away and go, this is what leadership's all about. That's why this podcast is uh, has been created. Exactly right. And uh, so, so know this, audience, you know, just to summarize some of this, whether whether you're the any, in any of the four quadrants— yep. There, there is absolutely great hope for you. Uh, be your best you. That's what you were created to be. Uh, don't try to be somebody that you're not. Now, you may be in a situation, too, where uh, you might be listening to this and saying, you know, I, I like these guys before, but maybe not so much now. <laughs> and maybe, uh, maybe we, we hit a nerve. Yeah. But you have to understand something, is that uh, we're not on this podcast necessarily to... Uh, to uh, win popularity, I hope I hope we become popular. But we're here to give you uh, over forty years of experience in what we have learned and what we know to be true and what we know works. So you may be in a situation right now listening to us and saying, "I'm not sure I'm buying in." And the reason you might be saying that is because what you're doing is working well, or it might be working better than your predecessor did it. Mm-hmm. We're not here to uh, help you do well. We're here to help you help you reach your fullest potential. That's really the benchmark. It's not the person to your left. It's not the person to your right. It's not the person that did it before you got there. It's your potential. So take what we're talking about today and start exercising it into your leadership style and how you lead your team. Dan, great, great content. If you were to give our listeners some actionable items uh, on summarizing this episode, uh, in this subject matter today, what would it be? Well, I think the next steps for those who, who have interest in understanding their personality would be first to take that personality assessment and please, please, please take it twice. The first time you take that assessment, start every thought with at home or when I'm relaxed in that relaxed state, I am this person. Uh, the second assessment, again, as I said previously, is talk about what you do at work. 
And always start the thought process when you're filling out that assessment is at work, I am, or I do, or I'm like. Uh, it, it'll give you a great view of who you might be. Uh, and if, if you're masking at work, you need to work on becoming better, better at, at understanding your strengths and weaknesses as a person and, and develop those into your professional, uh, your professional life. You know, <clears throat> just a couple books on personality just to better uh, acquaint yourself and, and acquaint your teams. And you can read them together. You can read them first and then talk to your team about them. Uh, leadership and the One Minute Manager, Ken Blanchard, mm-hmm. Situational Leadership Guru. Uh, it's a must read for leaders. No question. And it's, it's, a, it's a short read. And uh, it's a great opportunity for you to understand exactly what what uh, what leadership is about. Good to great, we talked about, and then the the other my other two favorites are the seven, seven habits of highly effective people, and uh, the twenty one irrefutable laws of leadership by John Maxwell, oh. another another guru when it comes to leadership. So, purpose yourself to be that better person because you can be, and life can be easier if you understand your personality. It's that simple. Great content, Dan. Um, as always, thanks for being on. If uh, you're interested in learning more about personality assessments or you're having trouble finding a good one uh, or you want a little more information about that, please email our team at thechampionforum.com. We'll be sure to get some resources in your hands. Uh, always a pleasure to have you in the studio, Dan. Yes. Everybody, listen, be sure to turn, tune in next week. We're going to dive into the business of personality. I truly appreciate you all investing time to listen in today. Uh, It would mean the world to me if you found value from today's message, if you could subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and give us a review. Your feedback is very important to me. It lets me know uh, what the audience is thinking and where we can go with future episodes. Uh, Our website, thechampionforum.com. There you'll find show notes. You can review as a team. You can or- incorporate this into your own personal strategy. I actually, I, I gave you the wrong email address. I gave you our website. The email address for the personality assessment is Jeff Hancher at thechampionform.com. Questions or feedback, you want more on personality assessments, shoot me an email. Somebody from our team uh, will get you going the right way uh, on where you can find those assessments. I'll see you next week whenever we start tackling the business of personality. And until then, remember this, you've been set up to be a champion in this life.